Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where I'm continuing this series called Ancient Mysteries. And today we're going to be talking about the war on earth. And remember, understanding these ancient mysteries, this is not simply about knowing something that other people don't know. This is about something that you will apply to your life, that it will develop your faith, but more than anything, it will help you understand what's really going on in the world and, and why we're having the conflict in the world. Remember last week, we talked about spiritual origins. If you didn't listen to that, you might want to go back and listen to it before you, before you dive into this. But when you understand the spiritual origins of, any, of anything, then you understand the motives, the intentions, the goals that, that uh, any group or any individual is seeking to accomplish by whatever efforts they're putting forth. And so because we understand the origins of Satan, remember, the, you know, the, uh, one of the internal origins of Satan was just pride. Satan was convinced that uh, he should be God. He was convinced that he was going to overthrow God and that he was going to rule heaven and earth the way he wanted to rule heaven and earth. Now, keep in mind the core of, of Satan's uh, motivation, the core of his intentions, the core of everything that happened in him, the Bible says was iniquity. It says that he was perfect until the day or the time that iniquity was found in him. Now remember, iniquity is when we reject the laws and the commandments of God. And I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about being under the Old Testament. I'm talking about knowing how to treat people uh, because it is the laws and the commandments of God, number one, that teach us God's standard of values, morals, ethics, that teach us how to live together in a civilized society and have justice. It teaches us everything that we need to know about this life. Now, it doesn't make us righteous. God never intended that any of the laws or the commandments would make us righteous. But the laws and the commandments also teach us how to walk in love. You know, eight of the 10 original 10 commandments were about how to live with one another. Only two of them were about how to live with God and how to relate to God because God's greatest, highest goal and intention for man is that we have a loving relationship with him and a loving relationship with one another. And the only way we can really see if we're truly spiritual or just religious is based on the degree and the capability and the willingness to walk in love with other people. Now, you know, the word, the word law can mean signposts. And we're, we're looking at the law. We're, you know, that word, really the word law is not even a good translation. All of the Hebrew scholars I know say that that, uh, that, is, that is not a great word. You know, the word commandment is better understood as a prescription. It's a way to stay well, emotionally, happy, spiritually, relationally. The, the word law can be translated as a signpost. In other words, in other words if, I, if I'm not sure if I'm walking in love towards someone, I can actually look at what the Word of God says and I can say, oh, well, wait a minute. 
God says that this would be the way to handle this situation. Now, when I'm that signpost tells me whether or not I am walking the path of love or walking the path of self-centeredness, but it does not make me righteous. God never gave any part of the law or the commandments to, to make us capable of being righteous by obeying them. Righteousness is a free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not about getting under the old covenant. This is, this is just about uh, accepting and living in God's standard of morals, of values, and ethics. So there was a war in heaven, and it was all about iniquity. So if iniquity was the, the number one factor, if it was the first thing that drove all of Satan's other, other issues, then we know that everything that Satan will produce or everything, and you say, well, how do I know when something is of the devil? It's real simple, when it does not harmonize with the Word of God. And so, you know, when laws are passed in society, whenever uh, certain things become permissible, when morals, values, and ethics change, uh, to depart from the Word of God, then you know that you are in iniquity, and that you know that the father of iniquity is Lucifer, and that his intention was to rule and reign over planet Earth in iniquity. In other words, in a standard that he had come up with himself. Now, Satan lost the war in heaven. Now, I'm going to read a portion, uh, Revelation uh, 12, 12, which I think uh, Revelation 12, 11, and 12 was actually excuse me, accomplished at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But this is something that applies from the time that Satan was, was originally defeated in heaven all the way through to the resurrection of Jesus and then all the way through the victorious church and then through the second coming of Jesus where we crush him under our feet as we rule and reign with the Lord Jesus. But this, this just kind of gives you an emotional uh, snapshot of the mentality and the driving emotions but behind what the devil is doing in planet earth. Now, um, <clears throat> in Revelation 12, 12, when Jesus is raised from the dead, uh, and Satan loses all access to heaven. Now, in the Old Testament, even though uh, I guess this war had already taken place, we know from the book of Job that Satan still had access to heaven. But I'm telling you, he lost that access when Jesus was raised from the dead. But it says here, it says, For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now, this is really a key factor because one of the things that I have discovered over the years when looking at what I call true Satanists, you know, uh, Satanism is just like every other ism. There are, there are initiations and there are levels of, of information given to you to the degree that you have accepted and committed yourself to the previous levels. You know, communism really doesn't tell you the real goal in the beginning. Socialism doesn't tell you the real goal in the beginning. Satanism does not tell you the real goal in the beginning. But eventually, as you get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and this is, this is the concept, all mysteries, whether it's the mystery of the kingdom of God or the mysteries of the kingdoms of this world, all mysteries are unfolded 
because in the kingdoms of this world, they don't tell you the truth until you have fully accepted and given yourself, like I say, to previous levels. In the kingdom of God, it's not that God doesn't tell you the truth. As a matter of fact, God does just the opposite. God tells you everything that you're ever going to need to know right up front. But our problem is we don't understand it. We are not spiritually minded. We don't know the word of God. We, you know, And so, so us going through different levels of sort of like of initiations are not when God decides he will tell us something. It's when we follow him to such a degree that we open our heart and we can finally see and perceive what he has been telling us all along. And we take it into our heart. We learn It empowers us. We learn to live in it. We learn to walk in it. And we experience a new life. Now, one of the things, and I'm very convinced of this. I might go into this in much more detail. By the way, remember, my book, Satan and the Mask, goes into a lot of these kinds of things that we're talking about here. If you want to understand who Satan really is and what Jesus did through him through the death, burial, and resurrection, that's the book to read. As a matter of fact, my book on Satan and the Mask is one of those books that people just have told me ever since I released that book, they said, this is the first book I've ever read about the devil that I wasn't afraid when I got through. This is the first book that gave me confidence to believe that I can live in victory and I don't have to be afraid of the devil. And that's, you know, that's, that was my goal in writing that book. Now, as far as I can understand, and I touched on this last week, you know, we've got these goofy ideas about Satan that are not in the Bible, or Lucifer, rather. You know, it's like Lucifer was not... Uh, the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God. doesn't say that anywhere. L Lucifer was not a worship leader. What most people teach about Satanism, about Lucifer, actually would position Lucifer closer to God than Jesus himself. And then we know that that absolutely is not true. Now, based on the fact that uh, when, you, when you break down the words that describe Satan, Lucifer, the devil, when you look at those words, you start realizing that he, he is driven by pride. He's driven by jealousy. And I am convinced that, in fact, Satan was actually jealous of the human race and the position that mankind held in connection to God. Remember, the Bible tells us that what God is doing in us actually is teaching the angels. It's teaching all of, of, all of existence about who God is, about his mercy and about his selection and, 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 and you know, all of these kinds of things. You know, it could be, I don't know if this is accurate, but it could be that, that Lucifer's job might have been a covering, if you will, to planet Earth because the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that uh, that man has never been beneath or lower than the angels, but in fact that the angels are servants to those uh, who who belong to God, who have given their life to God. So if Satan had not rebelled and fallen, then if he was still here doing his job, his job would be to be a servant to those who are inheriting the kingdom of God. And personally, I just don't think that's how he wanted it. I don't think he wanted to be a servant to mankind. I don't even think he wanted to be a servant to God. Now, so, so you understand there is, this, there, there is this inbred hatred in Lucifer, not only toward God, but toward the human race. I'm just going to touch on this, and we'll 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 hopefully 
I'll be able to look at this some more later. You know, Karl Marx is a, is a pure, real Satanist. You know, there, there are Satanists in America that is just about getting drunk and having orgies and that kind of stuff. And they think hell is going to be a big, you know, motorcycle rally or something where you got all the beer and whiskey and women and sex that you want. Um, but like I say, like all things, there are, there are levels of initiation. When a person becomes an actual pure Satanist, one of the things that they realize is that they will never win against God. There is not a war still going on between God and the devil. There's a war going on between man and, and certain aspects of the devil, but, uh, it's not what we're taught. So, so. Karl Marx and many pure Satan, Satanists have really, re, you know, revealed the attitude of Lucifer toward God. And it's as simple as this, you know, if since the reason, you know, Satan is down here angry and mad and frustrated and infuriated is because of fear, because he knows he's already lost this race, he, I mean this battle. He knows he can't win. He knows he will spend eternity in hell. Karl Marx said he knew he would spend eternity in hell. And he said that the only joy basically that he had in this life was taking other people with him and destroying uh, the human race which God loved. And so interestingly, the long-term goal of communism and actually even socialism, which socialism is just actually a farce. Socialism is the first step toward deceiving people and getting them into something that looks good, getting them into something that looks like it's going to help mankind, but it never does. In the history of planet Earth, everywhere that socialism has been practiced, it has ended in trouble. It has ended in death and sorrow and poverty and, 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 and all of these horrors for the human race. And so then when socialism doesn't work and you've, you've bitten into that apple and you, you, you drank Kool-Aid, then it's like, okay, well, then we got to go to communism now to make it work. And so socialism is really just an introductory seduction to lead people into the path of communism. And communism, as well as socialism, has as its goal the, the destruction of the middle class and uh, to create two classes, an elitist class and a slave class. And that's, that's pretty much it. And, and so the destruction of mankind, the destruction of the world, the destruction of peace and harmony and happiness, the real goal is the elite are the only ones that are going to get this. The elite are the only one that's going to have the riches and the wealth of planet Earth. And we're going to give it to our, to our offspring, to our families. We're not going to let it be wasted on the middle class. Because, see, the, the middle class is, is using and buying all of the things that the elite are afraid that uh, planet Earth will not be able to continue to provide the resources for us. And so they're going to get rid of all of this so that everything belongs to them. And they, they are going to do it through socialism. Now, we know how this ends when you go back and look at how socialism and communism began. And you start looking at people like Karl Marx and Stalin and Lenin and, and, and Mao Zedong and all of these people who kill hundreds of millions of people to accomplish this fake utopia, then you know what's going on right now in front of you. And you know 
how is always how it's going to come out is always going to come out the way that uh, uh, that it always comes out. Now, remember this: one of the things that the Bible teaches is is a really strong warning against mixing the seeds. Don't plant two seeds in the same field. Do not mix the seed. God, God is not interested in creating hybrids of the human race. You know, one of the things right now that's one of the big goals among among the elitists is to find a way to live forever. To, you know, they are they are looking at creating hybrid human beings, and uh, and this is exactly, by the way, what what happened in planet Earth that took planet Earth into just one of the darkest, most evil periods of time, and all of these things that happened. Uh, uh, prior to the flood and then soon after the flood help us understand what's going on in the world now and help us understand where this will all end. I'm telling you, this all ends in our victory and the victory of the believer, not the victory of the devil and that sort of thing. So, so let's, let's look at this for a few minutes. Now, keep in mind, in planet Earth, man has authority. God exercises his authority in planet Earth through human beings who yield to him and who do his bidding. Satan exercises authority in planet Earth through men, men and women, who will uh, yield themselves to him and do his bidding. Now, sometimes they don't even know they're doing his bidding. They're just fulfilling the lust of their flesh, but they don't understand all of that was something that really was introduced into planet Earth through sin and then ultimately through Satan. Now, Genesis 6, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. So Satan had no means. A lot of people say, well, well, well why did God let Satan come to planet Earth? Uh, well, God didn't let Satan come to planet Earth. The human race let Satan come to planet Earth because we had the authority. And the real truth is Satan could have been stopped in the garden. Even after man was cast out of the garden, Satan could have been stopped because man has always had authority over planet Earth. So in order for Satan to be able to attack the human race, he had to find a way to gain authority in planet Earth. Now, <clears throat> in Genesis 6, it says, Now it came to pass, in verse 1, uh, that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters of men were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now, let me just say this. The phrase, sons of God, in the Old Testament, is used in the book of Genesis, it's used in the book of Job, and it always refers to angels. Now, in the New Testament, anytime you see the phrase sons of God, it's talking about, it's talking about believers. Many people uh, who just cannot wrap their heads around this concept of, of, of some type of angelic or, you know, the, the word angel is so confusing anyhow because it really just means messenger. And there are all kinds of different angelic beings or different kinds of messengers. And that's really important when you start understanding how all of this wickedness came to pass. Now, like I said, Christians, and Christians have a great idea or struggle with the idea that a spiritual being could cause a human woman 
to get pregnant, to conceive a child. Now, stop and think about it. Then you got to ask yourself a question. How convinced are you of the virgin birth? Because the virgin birth was the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary, and she conceived. And people say, well, this is different because it was the Spirit of God. Uh, but th the real truth is, uh, it is still a spiritual being that is having some type of interaction. We don't think in, with the Holy Spirit, it was Holy Spirit having sex. It's just he came upon her and she conceived. But the point is, if the Holy Spirit can come upon a woman and cause her to conceive, then other types of spiritual beings can do this. Now, keep in mind that, uh, you know, one of the books that, I, I, and really, the, remember, the Bible is always my go-to book. I don't care what any other book says. I don't care what any, any scientific research says. I don't care what medical research says. And I don't really care what, you know, what other uh, uh, book, historical books say at the end of the day, I'm going to weigh them all based on the Word of God. But, you know, one of the books, the first book of Enoch, is quoted in the Bible. And the book of Enoch gives a lot of detail about um, these fallen beings and about the offspring that they produced. Now, keep in mind, one of the angel classes is what the Bible calls a watcher. Now, when you read the book of Josephus, the historical accounts of, 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 of what happened, and when you read the book of Jubilees, when you read the Targum, when you read all kinds of ancient history books, number one, they all agree that there was offspring from some type of spiritual beings that produce giants. Uh, and that produce all, really all manner of different kind of uh, 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 demagogues and all of those kinds of things. So, <clears throat> but the watchers were, their job really was to come to planet Earth and watch over what was happening and watch over mankind. Now, the thing about the watchers is all of the watchers that we have any account of are always male. And all the watchers appeared in every way like a human being. And so, you know, we don't know what their capability was, but we know this. If the Bible says it, it's true. If you don't like it, deal with your attitude toward the Bible. That's, that, that's all I can say. Because the Bible has got to be the backstop of all reality and of all truth. So, so the Bible says it happened and that the, the offspring of this ungodly union was, they, they are sometimes in the Hebrew called Nephilim. They can be called Rephaim. They can call, be called Anunnaki. I mean, there's a lot of different names that are given to them. And um, really, we don't see it in the English Bible, but there are hundreds of references to the giants or the Nephilim. And remember, not all Nephilim were giants. Some of them, you know, and, and some of them ranged from seven feet tall to, you know, 15 feet tall. And they had all different types of characteristics, they had all different types of wickedness about them. They had all different types uh, of emphasis. And so these, these Offspring, this Anunnaki, this Rephaim, this this Nephilim, you know, these all of these different offspring, basically, 
corrupted the world, and they had one primary purpose in earth, and that was to turn the human race against God and thereby destroy them. Because, because once man had alienated himself from God through fear and unbelief, he wasn't capable of standing up to these giants. But you will see throughout this that, you know, we are created to be giant killers. And we should be able to slay giants anytime just like the children of Israel did. They weren't even born again. They didn't even have the Spirit of God in them. So, uh, so the next verse says, So there were giants on the earth in those days and afterward. Now that phrase and afterward is really important because this afterward is talking about after the flood. Even though the original Nephilim were wiped out during the flood, that didn't stop this invasion that, that was taking place. And so it says, and afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, they were mighty men who were of old men of renown. This concept of being re renowned means they made a name for themselves. And this is really important because their intent was to come, make a name for themselves, earn a reputation. And based on this reputation, uh, they would influence the world and they, they would inspire fear in people because they were giants, they were ruthless, uh, uh, every kind of wickedness that you can imagine, and, uh, but also it made them doubt God. And so it says in, the, in verse 5 that when the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every in, intent and thought of his heart was only evil continually. Well, why? Why did this happen? Why did suddenly man get so evil? Well, man became incredibly evil and wickedness multiplied because of the deeds and the teaching of the Nephilim. Now, so what did the Nephilim teach? Well, the Nephilim taught every kind of immorality imaginable. They taught the people uh, how to make war, how to make weapons of war. They taught them sorcery and witchcraft. They taught them all manner of sciences. Uh, most, you know, a lot of it was fake science, but a lot of it was real science. Got to remember, these were beings that had seen God create the world. They understood how to make things happen in this realm that most people would consider to be magic or consider to be supernatural. It's just that they understood the laws of physics better than we did. Uh, again, every type of immorality is, is attributed to the Nephilim. You know, they, they taught bestiality. And this, this is where, you know, this is where many of the beings that were half man, half animal and, and uh, Greek mythology came from. They came from the Nephilim being sexually involved with animals just like they were sexually involved with, you know, with human beings. Many people say that this is where homosexuality was introduced into planet Earth. Now, I'm not, I'm not attacking homosexuals. I'm just saying, I'm just saying every kind of sin, everything you can imagine, cannibalism. Uh, this is where the original concept of vampires and sh and uh, shape shifters came from. In other and they taught man every way to gratify the flesh because basically what they wanted to make you believe is that you could have the greatest life that the world is apart from God. Now, in the Nephilim's teaching, and this is so important, we only have just a, a few seconds left to talk about this, it was the doctrine of the Nephilim that taught that God was a bad God. Out of their teaching, and, and they all taught that God was a bad God. They all taught that he couldn't be trusted. They all taught 
that uh, you could have all this sex, you could have all of this greed, you could fulfill all the lust of your flesh if you wanted to, and you really didn't have to be afraid of God, and that God's a bad God, and the real truth is, He doesn't want you to be happy, He doesn't want you to be fulfilled. And so they would lure you into sin, and when you would have the pleasures of sin, you would turn your back on God because you would consider God to be the one that was keeping you from enjoying this. And one of the main doctrines was God is not a good God, and, and, and the doctrine of sovereignty emerged. And by sovereignty, I'm not talking about the biblical type of sovereignty that means God uh, uh, is not controlled by an outside force. I'm talking about the, the, the religious type of sovereignty that says that God is always in control of everything. This was introduced by the Nephilim. Listen, if you want to understand this and understand how this fits into your life and how to have real spiritual victory, be sure and get my series that goes along with this and be sure to join me next week and share this with everybody. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.